0: ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. It is Friday, February 10th. Your drive begins now on ESPN, 94.1 in AM 930. I am your host, Paul Swan, here until 6 o'clock. We'll get your text in this hour, 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. We're going to talk about, of course, Marshall's performance yesterday on the road, homecoming for Dan D'Antoni. And Dan had some interesting thoughts after the game, some of it about the game itself, some of it, of course, about Dan coming back home. So we're going to hear from Dan here in a bit. We'll also find out what you had to say about the game yesterday, the uh, Thundering Herd. Victorious now in third place in Sunbelt play. It's getting close now. We're five games away. Then we got the tournament coming up. So five more to go. Marshall will play on the road Saturday, back home for two. Final two home games of the regular season, then on the road for two more, and then the tournament itself. So that's what we've got for the Thundering Herd. So we're going to get into all of that with you here in a little bit. We will, of course, hear from, I thought, a standout performance from Cam Kerfman. Even though it took him a little bit to heat up, it took him a while. But he got it going, and Camden Kerfman ended up with 20 points, 7 of 16, shooting 6 of 15 from the free throw line. He was... Yeah, He was pretty cold early in that game, and then he started heating up. So we're going to hear from him also from Andrew Taylor. What did the sheriff eat for breakfast? That's what I want to know. I want to know what the sheriff was having for breakfast, what he had for lunch, what was his dinner selection. I want to know this because Andrew Taylor had 33 points in that game, 5 of 13 from the three-point line, 14 of 27 from the field. 33 points and 10 rebounds. So he had a double-double for himself. And Tavion Kinsey, 17 points. It was a quiet night. We say that with a straight face. It was a quiet night for Tavion Kinsey with 17 points. Mikey Hanlog didn't have some foul trouble, so he only had two. So you got to see a little bit more. Uh, Wyatt Fricks and Jacob Connor it was always good to see them. I know that's a bone that a lot of you would like to pick with Dan D'Antoni about getting more of the bench involved in the game, or at least the people are communicating to me. Some of you want that to happen. So we'll hear what his thoughts are on this game. Yesterday was fun, though, watching that game. It was fun. Marshall had total control. There were even times when Coastal would try to chip away at that lead, and then Marshall would just shut that down. No worries whatsoever. You look at the stat sheet. There were no lead changes. The game was tied zero. Lead changes, zero. Marshall led for 38 minutes and 39 seconds. Once Marshall hit its first basket, Marshall led the entire way after that. Points in the paint, Marshall was was okay there, 32 apiece for both teams. Points off turnovers was big, 17-9 in favor of the Thundering Herd. Second chance points, I thought, really big in this one, 25-2 in favor of the Herd. Bench points, 36 14 in favor. of Coastal also. Fast break points. Uh, Coastal wanted to run with them. 11 6. But Marshall gets the job done. Free throws, really not a factor as far as the herd's concerned. 7 of 11. Coastal Carolina stayed in this game because of the free throws. 17 of 23. Three point line, all in favor of the herd. 13 to 40. 13 of 40. Herd shot 43 pointers. Hit 13. Coastal hit 25 and hit 7, 28% for Coastal. And all of their threes made came in the second half. Marshall got better in the second half, 26% in the first, 5 of 19. Second half, 8 of 21 for 38%. For the game thirty-two point five, so thirty-two point five percent. You like to see that number get a little higher from the field, though. Marshall is forty-six point eight percent from the field because Marshall was able to take advantage of second chance opportunities, putbacks. It's a good game for the Thundering Herd, improving to twenty and six, nine and four now in Sun Belt play. If I've done my math correctly, twenty and six, nine and four. And Sunbelt play now third. So we're going to get into that with you. We're going to keep track of what's happening across the board today because softball is in action today for the Thundering Herd. We'll get you updated on that. Tennis was in action today. Uh, There's some news coming out of the XFL involving some Thundering Herd players. We'll tell you all of that. And we're going to hear from a couple of the standouts yesterday's game. And the Hall of Fame also today is something that a lot of Bengal fans like myself We're talking about because Ken Riley is now an NFL Hall of Famer. 40 years ago, he retired, considered to be one of the best defensive players in his generation. However, for whatever reason, that got overlooked. He only made one All-Pro team in his entire NFL career. So that makes it difficult because... We're in that age now where, okay, who's the greatest basketball player of all time? Well, it's LeBron. He scored the most. Well, we never said Kareem was the greatest of all time, and he has scored the most until the other day. It's Michael Jordan, right? Six appearances in the finals, six championships. LeBron doesn't have such a sterling record, but we measure by Super Bowl. So, you know, who's who's the greatest of all time in the Super Bowl? Quarterback is Tom Brady. He's got the most for a quarterback won't be replicated I mean, we measure things by we don't actually look at performances because you know awards like MVP those are great and those add to your your reputation but you know Ken Riley sure he was he was a one-time pro pro teamer one all Pro team and he finally is named a Hall of Famer so he's part of the 2023 class now I hope that we can see some other greats get into the Hall of Fame I mean, and the bad thing is he died in 2020. And that's, that's terrible that he's not going to know. He's not going to be able to enjoy that recognition. That's the thing that's terrible for me. Is he he's, he played his entire career at the Bengals. He's fifth all-time in interceptions in NFL history. Fifth all-time. Is that not good enough? Fifth all-time. And the players above him in those rankings are already in the Hall of Fame. So he was he was overlooked and didn't make it on the modern ballot. So the Seniors Committee, well— let's put it to you this way, didn't make it there. Finally, and I sincerely hope that organizations take note of this. Finally, Cincinnati Bengals started to do something a little bit more proactive. Now you have the Ring of Honor for the Cincinnati Bengals. And he was in the inaugural class for the Ring of Honor in 2021. It's a big deal. It's a big deal to have your have your accomplishments recognized. It's it's always, it's an honor. And that's a huge honor. Overdue. A lot, and I hate that we're doing this now. This should have been stuff that we saw happen years ago. And he should have been able to see that. He should have been able to enjoy that honor. And now being selected into the Hall of Fame, should have been able to enjoy that honor. So hopefully the NFL does better hopefully the, the way that teams maybe try to be a little bit more proactive with some of the all-time greats. Because I mean, there are a lot of people who are not in the Hall of Fame. There are people who are in the Hall of Fame. You might go, why are they there? And there are people that are not in the Hall of Fame. You're thinking, why aren't they there? It's always going to happen. It's very subjective. But at the end of the day, one guy that should be in the Hall of Fame is Ken Riley, and he is now a Hall of Famer. So I um, as a Bengals fan, as somebody grew up, watching the Bengals, i've rarely i've rarely understood I, I didn't know why as a child like okay you know why does why are these guys not getting in you know as a kid yeah you know, maybe because the Bengals were having a, a you know a, some bad years i i don't know but as i get older instead of like why you know hey why doesn't the Bengals have more in the hall of fame it's why doesn't the Bengals, you know, why don't the Bengals have more players in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, as, as I understood this, as I grew up, I'm like, okay, yeah, well, yeah, Bengals don't have many people in the Hall of Fame, too. Why don't the Bengals have more in the Hall of Fame? I'm hoping that gets corrected here in the, in the years to come. And, of course, it helps that the Bengals have become more relevant. And I hate that it took a once-in-a-generation quarterback being drafted and bringing the Bengals almost to the cusp of a back-to-back Super Bowl appearance for people to finally realize, hey, you know what? This Bengals franchise, they're all right. They can play the football. They had some really big names and really talented players come through the years in Cincinnati. And so I'm always a big fan of athletes that deserve to be recognized in Hall of Fame, being recognized. I hope that Marshall can expand its Hall of Fame. I'm not saying just because you play doesn't mean you get into the Hall of Fame. right? It's a distinct honor. You love every herd player that's come through the door, right, for the most part. You love most of them. But you got to make sure that players that were exceptional, I mean, that's the point of a Hall of Fame. How, How have these players distinguished themselves? And I don't like the process. I mean, Riley distinguished himself through his play. And I don't know how you make this process better. I mean, do I have to politic? Do you have to politic? Do I have to politic for for players. Do the accomplishments not speak for themselves? That's a big question for me here. So I'm you know I'm I'm a Bengals fan, so I'm happy. I'm happy that Riley's in. I'd like to see some other uh, some other names in the Hall of Fame. Text lines 304-396-talk 304 396 8255 We'll hear from Dan Dantoni, Andrew Taylor, Camden Kerfman recap Marshall's victory over Coastal Carolina when we continue with this edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Friday, February 10th edition of The Drive on ESPN, 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Our text line is open now at 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. Still to come, we're going to hear from Dan D'Antoni on last night's victory. Marshall winning against Coastal Carolina, 92-74. to It was an emotional homecoming for Dan He talked about it earlier in the presser yesterday. He didn't want to lay an egg. He just didn't want to come in there and embarrass himself or lay an egg. He actually wanted to perform well with his team and be successful. So the Thundering Herd. Mission accomplished. Got the job done. So we'll hear from Dan in just a few minutes. Cam Kerfman was a big reason for the success of the Thundering Herd. I mean, the sheriff went off. Andy Taylor with those 33 points. But Cam Kerfman started to heat up. He ended up with 20 points, including some key three-point shots. Late in that second half, he started to heat up. And guess what? Koso felt it. So when we talked to him yesterday, one of the things that was asked of, of Cam was, about finding his shot. For that first half, really couldn't get it done. Second half, it seemed like he could hit anything, and he talked about that.
1: Yeah, um, something that happens sometimes with shooters. You don't really... Can't really explain it. Uh, you just got to have faith that the next one's going to go in. Confidence is going to happen. Um, ultimately, you know, I got confidence. I'm never going to stop shooting. Uh, never done anything different. So, you know, the results are going to come at some point. And, you know, they did. When it rains, it pours, you know. so
0: Good analogy. When it rains, it pours. So, he was asked, why did the team play so well? I mean, look at the outcome. 92-74. So, Cam broke it down. Why the team played better this time around? Um, I
1: think. Part of it was at Louisiana. I didn't um, I didn't get up and, and pressure the ball as much as I, I usually do. And you know, I gotta I gotta set the tone with that. Um that's kinda on me. And uh tonight started off first first eight minutes, I think they got pretty flustered with our defense. I think we were kinda everywhere. Um, and that starts to be pressuring the ball, um, you know, making the ball handler uncomfortable. And, and everyone, you know, started to pick up on that. And the uh, thing was all defense. Um, you know, same thing when we played Georgia State, it was all defense. Uh, being a- active, um, that's how we play. And, you know, that's something we didn't do as well at Louisiana. So,
0: Cam Kerfman on why the team played so well. One of the things that Cam talked about was just the pace of the game. Coastal Carolina kinda of wanted to run with the herd, maybe, you know, kind of get into a shootout with them. And that seemed to be a pace that the herd enjoyed. I mean,
1: they, they were pushing the ball for sure in the first half. I think that, that was their they couldn't score in the half court against us really. Um so they got on transition. Um and that's how they wanted to play with us. Uh and you know, by all means it's fine with us. I feel like if any team plays that way with us, we that's all we do all practice, all preseason, all summer. So I mean that's our that's our kind of game if that's what they want to get into. So I'm I'm fully confident we can beat anyone like that.
0: And finally, one of the things that I thought stood out was second chance points. The Thundering Herd definitely getting more opportunities, uh, more putbacks, uh, going after the ball. And that was something, according to Cam, that the coaches really talked to them about and worked on.
1: Yeah, the the coaching staff harped on that all week. Um, you know, they're they they got a big man that's a double double machine, and you know we got to keep him off the glass, and then on the offensive boards we got to go. Um, you know, that's something we didn't do last game either. Uh, we got to crash the boards. We got to have four guys on the boards and one guy back. And um, you know, we're long and athletic. We we should get those You know, we should get those balls off the
0: rim. Um, so that's what we did. Cam Kerfman, twenty points, started to heat up in that second half, and a guy who. Carried the team. The Sheriff came to town and scored 33 points. Andrew Taylor with a double-double with those 10 rebounds, including nine on the defensive side of the ball. And for Andy, he liked the pace of the game, and he talked about that after.
2: Yeah, for sure. That was a scouting report. Just whenever they get a steal or they get, you know, offensive or, defense or defensive rebounding, you know, they're trying to get it out and go. And, uh, you know, like you said, that plays in our favor. Um uh-huh. I think the faster we play, the better we play. You know, we're making quicker decisions. We're just letting it go. We're letting it flow. I think that it definitely plays in our favor.
0: Also, for Andy, 33 points, 10 rebounds. I asked him if it just felt like the game had slowed down for him. You know, what was it like out there? You know, was he feeling it? And he, he thought that it, it did slow down for him. He was a little faster against Louisiana, and he was really – able just to watch the game slow down for him during last night's victory.
2: Yeah, I feel like last game at Louisiana, I just got sped up a little bit, you know, the hype, whatever. I feel like this game, I kind of just took a step back, you know, slowed down, just ran the offense, and uh, looked for my teammates more and just, you know, got everyone else involved, and I feel like it made it easier on myself.
0: And something else you talked about, Coastal would try to come back, Marshall would push it out, Coastal would try to chip at that lead, and then Marshall would just stop that and answer. There was always an answer in place for Coastal, when the Chanticleers were trying to respond, and Andy talked about that, yeah,
2: that's definitely a big growing part, especially for like me and Tavian. You know, Cam probably been taught the same things at VMI as a senior now. So like, just being able to answer and having these seniors that come down and can make a play. you know we got three, four, five of those dudes that can do that. And you know, to see some of these freshmen making those big plays too, it only adds to it.
0: Speaking of players, who got to see some time: Jacob Connor, Wyatt Fricks. Micah Hand-Logden wasn't available for a good portion of the game. So you got to see more of Connor. You got to see more of Fricks. And Andy liked them out there. You know, talked about, the, you know, how, how well they performed. And... With that foul trouble, he felt real good about the way that they were in the game and the rotation.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, you know, when Micah gets in foul trouble, Wyatt and Jacob have done a great job battling on the boards and just taking care of their big dudes. You know, they're they're skinny, but, like, they're battling. They're trying to box out. You know, they're being gritty, and that's what we need.
0: And finally, with Andy, talked about how important finishing the road trip is and then getting back home. He points out correctly, there are not that many games left, five games left extremely
2: important i mean we only have five games left so i'd love to win every one of these that's what that's what our goal is you know we're still going to take it one at a time and overlook it I'm glad we got this one at the beach but we got to look at these next five as a uh... Try to go 5-0
0: and o in the conference. 5-0 and o in the conference. That's the goal for Andrew Taylor. Marshall's victorious over Coastal ninety-two We're going to hear from Dan D'Antoni. We'll get your thoughts on what the head coach has to say as well at 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. This is The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is the drive with Paul Swan on ESPN ninety four point one FM and AM nine thirty. Welcome back to the February tenth edition of the drive on ESPN ninety four point one and AM nine thirty. I'm your host Paul Swan. We'll be recapping Marshall's victory over Coastal Carolina last night on the road. It was a 92-74 victory for Dan Dantoni and his squad. It was also a homecoming for Dan. Now he's gonna talk more about that in depth, and we've got that as well. But he was coming to the postgame last night, and he apologized a little bit because he basically said that he was uh, he was shaking hands, kissing babies, and you know, a lot of that was because people came to see him that remembered him still know him. He was back in the area. He spent a lot of years at Socrates High School. A lot of memories, a lot of players, a lot of games, a lot of wins. And he's definitely remembered fondly. But there were a lot of people. Hurt fans traveled well to this one. So Dan was basically a returning hero. And he comes back and he talked about that. He was a little worried that he'd come back. And as he kind of put it, he said he didn't want to come back. And it was a personal fear he didn't want to lay an egg.
3: As a coach, as a human being, when you come back home, you don't want to lay an egg. And I don't have anything to do with it, but as a coach, you think you do, and everybody else thinks you do, and the worst thing you want to do is lay an egg. And I want to thank my players for going out and finishing my homecoming where I got to see a a lot of people I loved and uh, uh, had a lot of great times with, and, and my players made it special for me by coming out and winning the ball game.
0: He was definitely excited for the victory, and it was a homecoming. He's right. Definitely was a homecoming and a lot of people you love to see Dan Dantoni. Now, what was the reason that Marshall was able to turn it around this time? Didn't have a, a good go of it against Louisiana. So you get back at it, go on the road once again. What was it about tonight's game? I asked him that was different. And he talked about basically some of the things being, you know, from conditions to I'll let him explain. It makes more sense for him.
3: First of all, we played at Appalachia State at 3,300 square feet. Andy plays hard as hell. And that takes a lot out of you at that altitude. Then you get on a plane the next day early, fly a time zone, come out, and they went and got the chicken out of retirement for 30 years because he (laughs) excites the crowd. So you know they're pointing to you. They had to hire him two weeks ago. They had senior night. They backed it up and put senior night on us. They doubled their crowd, so you know they're ready. So it happens in basketball. You walked into an environment that we were coming off and we're going to play the game, and they were sitting there waiting on us with the intent on winning. And it's a growing process, and there's a lot. Even great championship teams lose that type of game. So. You know what? We came out, I knew Andy came in the arena extra time. The whole time, he wanted to redeem himself. And tonight, he had a really good ball game.
0: 33 points, 10, uh, 10 rebounds. That's a pretty good ball game for Andy. And speaking of performances, he talked about a little bit further elaborated on those performances of not only Andrew Taylor, but Camden Kerfman. Now,
3: here's, here's what for all you... Chair armchair coaches. So I'm in at halftime, right? I think Cam's one for seven. Or I don't know. And they were in and out, just couldn't get one down. So uh, I said, Cam, now just make sure now you keep shooting. I turned around, took a sip, and I turned back around, and I said, I don't know why I said that, because I know you're not going to stop. <laughs> so he came out at shoot or shoot, you know, shooter shoot. And you can't, somebody said, well, if a shoot, if they are missing seven, you got to tell him to stop. I don't know when he's going to make the next one. And if you can tell me, you know, I don't think so. He's a shooter and that's what they do. Now, if he took a real bad three, that's a different story, but he's taking good threes. You got to let him go. And what happens is he strings about four in a row. Game goes from 10 to 20. It's over.
0: Shooter shoot. I've heard that. For a long time now. Shoot or shoot. And if he misses seven, you're saying, look, take him out. Tell him to stop. And Dan's like, I don't know if he's going to miss the eighth one. Shoot or shoot, according to Dan Dan Tony. Now, Coastal, I think Coastal's just a bad matchup when it comes to Marshall. It's just, Marshall's just, they can't match with Marshall. This is a team that Marshall has the advantage in, I believe. And this was a team that wanted to maybe get into a, a, a shooting contest with them, get into, a, try to run with them. And Dan likes that. If you want to play Dan D'Antoni style basketball, Dan likes it. And he talked about, you know, the way that they play wasn't necessarily of Marshall taking advantage of, but he did like the pace that favored the herd.
3: I don't know if it plays into our hands, but it does give us a rhythm that we play
0: are used to. So uh, I
3: like it. It's more fan friendly to me. Goes up and down. When you go up and down like that, the biggest thing, watch, is that 20-point leads can go away. 20-point deficits, you can, you can win. And uh, to me, that's fun. For some fans, that's heartbreaks. They can't take that roller coaster. I'm used to riding a roller coaster. Don't mind it. I'll buy my ticket every time to a roller coaster rather than a merry-go-round and uh you know what i, I don't mind this good ball game cliff ellis has won 900 some games you know he's going to prepare his team he's going to be ready and uh, i thought uh, our players were much more determined to win this game and they you know corny said it best at uh, coming out he said said y'all know what coach dan tony's quote was he said Last game, we came to play, and the other team came to win. Let's make sure that night we come to win. We're not coming here to play. And so I told them at the end of the game, I said, let's put our hands up. We didn't come down here for one. We're coming down for two. So let's go get two and go home. So we'll see what yeah. happens. Georgia State won't be the same Georgia State team. They'll be a lot tougher here there.
0: Georgia State, Marshall, took advantage of last time out. We'll talk about Georgia State tomorrow during our pregame. That's coming up 1 o'clock on ESPN, 94.1 and 8 of 930 and 93.7 The Dog. Dan talked about the homecoming a little bit further. I want to get into that when we continue. I want to catch you up on what's happening today. A good day for Marshall softball. Good day for former Marshall football players. We'll talk about all of that when we continue on this edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back, our final segment of today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 at AM 930. I'm getting caught up on everything that's happening with Fendering and Herb today in just a moment. But before we continue, I want to have enough time to, to hear what Dan had to say. This is toward the end of yesterday's uh, comments. Dan was asked about the homecoming, coming back again. And... Dan had answered that earlier. At least he he talked about that briefly when he came um, came to the presser. But he goes on to talk about really the the state of college basketball, how his philosophy, loyalty. It's it's a few minutes long. I didn't want to really want to break it up and put it in piecemeal form. I'm going to let you listen to it. Here's what Dan had to say when he when he started talking about you know, coming back home. And then he went into a few other topics, including the transfer portal and loyalty, you know, recruiting philosophy. Here's what he had to say.
3: Well, like I said, my greatest fear, just a human fear is that you don't want to lay an egg when people seem to hold you in high regard. So when you're sitting out there before the game, man, I'm sweating bullets because I know that they're going to be prepared. Coach Ellis does a great job. And I know that they're athletic. They got two 20-point scores from other teams at division 1 left they had a kid that came from providence power uh, considered one of the power 5 for six conferences and they're no they're no not they're athletic it's hard for clip in that there are 11 of them or 12 of them from portal he has to put them together quickly in one year that's very difficult he lost players had two really good players or three that he lost to major schools last year uh i told our assistant coaches that we have to do a great job of convincing these guys to be loyal to marshall you can do that easier for a kid coming out of high school that this is the one you wanna graduate from, you're gonna be an alumnus of this school. When you come to a school for one year, you're coming for yourself. And that's difficult on coaches. That's very difficult to form a team, put it together and play. Now, it can be done. There are some teams that do it, do it pretty well. But if you look at our conference right now, uh, Louisiana's on top. They stay pretty much intact. On the other hand, Southern Miss went out and regrouped the whole team. So I don't know which way it is yet. It's not determined. I, I, it can go either way. I just prefer my way. And I think uh, for fans at Marshall, or when you come back, you know, how many how many players are going to come back today? that school if let's say you don't win a championship and you're in there for one year how many times do you think you're going to get them back how many times do you think they talk about your university in a real positive and supportive way probably not going to happen how many times how many of y'all think tavey on always come back here he'll always be a part of Marshall. andy taylor's always going to be a part of Marshall. So by staying, I, to me, that's what college athletics about. That's what living is about, what human life is about, being loyal, being given your best, being positive, and fighting through things. I hope all our fans hear me and appreciate what these guys did. Stay positive with them. I don't know where we're coming. We might win it. Oh, might be in the NCAA. Might not be. But I know this, and it's just like that little thing I got in my office, you know, Snoopy carrying Charlie. I mean, Charlie Brown carried Snoopy on his back. You know, it ain't where you're going is who you go with and we're riding with a bunch of good guys that represent marshall extremely well great administration that's positive and pushing us forward, and you're going to get the best we got, and I think you're going to be happy. It may not be this year, but it's going to be happy. It may be this year. I don't know, but you're going to be happy with the product if you approach each game the right way, and cheer for Marshall. That's football, basketball, baseball, when we get it going, everything. Cheer for Marshall. Be undenied. Don't be critical. Back on it. Stay pushing forward, and I think you're going to see a great product from Marshall University Athletics. I preached that's my philosophy. But hell, I'm going to live that damn thing and die with it. So you know what? If they want to come and get me, come and get me. I'm going to be smiling when they do. I appreciate it. Have a good one. I'm going to go out. I got a bunch of friends. I might go down to Dagwood, man.
0: Here is Dan D'Antoni preaching and living life and loving life. That's Dan D'Antoni. I did not know where to edit that. So I gave it all to you. Uh, he says, don't be critical. That's going to put me out of a job. I said that yesterday. You don't. If you're not critical, that's going to put me out of a job. Can't be critical. That's going to put you out of a job. You know, people can't be critical. It's going to put us all out of a job. No, uh, that's Dan D'Antoni. Um, he has a different view on, uh, on how things should shape up. Uh, let's go to our text line, 304-396-TALK, 304 From the text line, a conference win is always good, but Coastal Carolina is terrible. You say that now. You say that now. You say that now. I didn't think Coastal was that terrible. I didn't think they were that bad. Marshall definitely was the better team. I will say that. Marshall definitely was able to uh, take advantage of Coastal Carolina. So uh, you take it and you'll take the conference win. Some good things happening for Hurd. Not so good things happening today. Uh, softball opening it up. And Marshall gets the victory over Portland State 8-1 to in the season opener. And then Marshall tennis falls 4-3. to against West Virginia. So you'll take that. It's a split. You like to win them all, but uh, good start for softball. Close one for tennis. We'll try to get John Mercer back on here soon, and we'll try to get Megan Smith Lyon on sometime here in the near future uh, when the Thundering Herd gets back to town. So you can, um, of course, follow along anytime with us. We podcast a show daily on iTunes. Apple Podcast is what they call it now. Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, you're going to find the show. And then, of course, uh, don't forget, we're going to be back here tomorrow. Back here tomorrow to do it all over again, 1 o'clock. We've got Marshall versus Georgia State. That's coming up, and we'll have the game broadcast, and then we'll stick around and and talk about it after the game with our post-game coverage. So that's all right here. So uh, spend your late afternoon, early evening with us here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. And, of course, Super Bowl Sunday. Don't forget, if you can't be where you can watch it, and I know a lot of you are going to watch it, but if you can't be where you can watch it, Westwood One's coverage of the NFL is excellent, and it's going to be great once again. So if you you got to go out tomorrow, keep the basketball game with us. Lock us in. If you got to... Go out on Sunday, whatever that may be. If you got to go out on Sunday, you have to remember Lock Your Radio on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930 and 93.7 The Dog and Big Buck Country, 101.5 and 97.9 The River, 92.7 and 98.5 The Planet. We have the Super Bowl across all of our Kindred Communications stations. So no matter where you're at, what station you like to listen to, hopefully it's this one, but we got you covered. That's coming up on Super Bowl Sunday. Extended coverage for us begins at 2 p.m. The game broadcast itself 5 p.m. Kickoff a little bit after 6.30, so keep it locked here. All weekend long on ESPN 94.1 and AM 9.30. We'll also have the game on our sister station, same same format, 93-3 and thirteen forty. So we go on the air at 2 o'clock Sunday for Super Bowl Sunday. I, I guess I have to root for the Chiefs. I got put on the spot the other day. Tony Kemper was on the show yesterday, and he put me on the spot. He said I had to root for the AFC. And since he rooted for the Bengals last year quietly, he said, I have to root for the Chiefs, so if I do that, I'm going to be quiet about it. But I got to be careful because I don't want to I don't want to upset my guy over at the Herald Dispatch, Luke Creasy. He's an Eagles fan, so I don't know what to do here. On the one hand, I got Tony Kemper, my guy, and then on the other hand, I've got Luke Creasy, my guy. So, Coach, do I make him mad or do I root for the Eagles? I don't know. I'm watching the game. We'll have it for you on Sunday here on ESPN 94.1. AM 930 and on all of our Kindred communication radio stations. So looking forward to it. You know what? That's going to do it for this edition of the show. So we'll cue the music and say good night back tomorrow one o'clock for Marshall basketball Sunday. We've got Super Bowl 57 and you can listen to it all right here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930 and 93.7 the dog and Big Buck Country 1015. 92.7, 98.5 the planet The River, Cat Sports, 93.3 and 13.40. The Super Bowl is everywhere. Just turn your radio on. You'll hear the Super Bowl. Thanks for tuning in. Back tomorrow. We'll do it again.